Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Well, hey, it's good to be back with you. I've been down and out the past couple weeks. I had COVID for 12 days, but I'm thankful to God that I'm, I'm feeling better today and I'm with you. I'll say this. Give me some grace. You know, if you think the sermon's lousy today, look, I'm just getting over COVID. Give me a break. You right? I'll, I'll, be, I'll get better. Well, look, I want to introduce you here to Brian McDonald. Brian is a senior at Eden Christian Academy, and um, I want to celebrate an accomplishment that he has uh, recently undertook uh, in his uh, athletic career. So Brian is your WPIAL AA golf champion. Brian, we're really proud of you. Brian's grown up here in the church, here in his family. They, they've worshipped here for many years, and we're really proud of you. And I just wanted to pray over him as he goes to states now. Not this week, but next week. He'll be playing out in York, PA. And uh, we're cheering you on, and we're proud of you. We know that your actions are going to glorify God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, giving us gifts and talents. Gifts and talents that glorify your name ultimately. And I thank you, Lord, for the ways in which Brian, through his golf game, is bringing glory to you in the way he's conducting himself with integrity and hard work and pursuing excellence. And Lord, we pray that as he goes off to, to states, that you continue to give him success. But more importantly, Lord, that he would glorify you and have great joy and confidence because of how you've created him and made him, Lord, and that you would be pleased with what he does, Lord, on the course and off the course. And I pray, Lord, in every way that Brian would not only be successful in golf, but in life, Lord, he would strive to follow Jesus. So thank you for him, Lord. Bless him. We're grateful to, to see him um, accomplishing great things like this. And we pray, Lord, that, that these things would only continue in his life in every way. Be with us as we share this time together, Lord, looking at your word. I pray, Lord, that each of us would examine ourselves by the power and grace of your Holy Spirit as we look at your word today. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time. Give it up for Brian. Thank you, Brian. Isn't that cool? I was so excited. We're so proud of him. That's great. So today we're, we're continuing our series, Ordinary Radicals. And, um, you know, in all forms of storytelling during the past few decades, there's been a rise in popularity in what's known as an anti-hero. An anti-hero. Now, this is in contrast uh, to the traditional or conventional hero. You know, people like King Arthur or Frodo Baggins or, or Katniss Everdeen. The, the, the anti-hero is in contrast to that. And the anti-hero is more ambiguous, more complicated. An anti-hero often has a dark side. An anti-hero is one that has a history of bad decisions. An anti-hero may even be someone who has a questionable moral code. But ultimately, the interesting thing about the anti-heroes, interestingly, ultimately they are guided by good intentions or even a, a sense of justice. I'm sure as I'm talking about it, you can think of examples from popular culture of the anti-hero. I'm sure you've got them propping up in your mind. 
deeply flawed individuals. But this seems to somehow make them realistic. It it makes them believable. Yeah, they're complex, but they're even likable. These anti-heroes. So again, we're in this Ordinary Radicals series. We're continuing this. And we've talked about Ordinary Radicals. We've talked about how Ordinary Radicals are, are, are people who love God more than anything, more than anyone. And we've talked about this too. Ordinary Radicals aren't special Christians. No, no, it's not that at all. An ordinary radical is not a special Christian in our context. It's one who loves Christ, whose roots are in Jesus. That's what an ordinary radical is. We've talked about it, we're going to talk about it more. You know, today we're going to look at um, a figure that's one of those complicated figures. We're going to look at the Old Testament figure of Aaron. And, And Aaron certainly is complex. And I would suggest to you, that Aaron's a good example of an anti-hero from the scriptures. And I want you to lean in because I, I think there's something in the story of Aaron for us. Because here's the deal. I don't know if you feel this, but I feel it. We're complicated. Just like the anti-heroes, just like Aaron, we're complicated. And the truth of the matter is that oftentimes there's more anti-hero in you, then there is hero. Maybe you feel that. Do you got a history of bad decisions? Do you maybe have a a dark side? Do, Do you find yourself to be more often Billy the Kid than King Arthur? Well, if you do, then I want you to lean into this because there's good news. Aaron, this biblical figure we're going to look at, reminds us that even with the dark side, even with the struggle, you and I are not disqualified from being ordinary radicals. So let's go there now. As Jeremiah has already pointed out to us, thank you for your leadership, Jeremiah. Um, we're going to be in Exodus 32. And yeah, have a Bible in front of you. Whether it's a hard copy or a digital copy, doesn't matter. But be a student of the word. We encourage you to look and search these things out for yourself. In fact, you might even take a few notes. Not because of what I'm going to say it's important, because God will speak to you. So here we go. Let's get into this. We're going to read over some of what Jeremiah's already shared. We're actually going to dig into a considerable amount of of a long chapter, Exodus 32. We'll get through several bits of this. And I think as you go back and look at your notes and read it for yourself, God will speak to you even more. Let's go to Exodus 32, verse 31. Thinking about antiheroes, thinking about ordinary radicals. Let's see what the Lord has to say to us. When the people saw that Moses was so long... And coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, I love this. As for this fellow Moses, you know that guy who led us through the Red Sea, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. They thought that maybe he had died or something, I guess, because he'd been gone for a long time up on Mount Sinai. So let's get you caught up in the background here, okay? We're kind of jumping in midstream. So the deal is this. Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. I mean, do you realize that? A long period of time in their history. 430 years of enslavement in Egypt. Now, God raises up Moses, a deliverer among the people. And Moses, through God's miraculous power, I mean, this is mind-blowing, he leads them out of Egypt 
through the parting of the Red Sea. Just miraculous. And eventually Moses finds himself up on Mount Sinai where he's hearing from God and he's writing down the Ten Commandments. And while that's happening, there's this infamous golden calf incident that we're going to look at today that's going on. Now keep in mind, from the Red Sea to this golden calf incident, that's just a a matter of weeks in the Bible. It's not a period of years. I mean, here they are. they've, They've gone through the Red Sea and just weeks later, we're talking about the difference between spring and summer. Just weeks later, they find themselves building this golden calf. Now we're introduced here to Aaron, okay? And who is Aaron? Well, Aaron, first of all, is the older brother of of Moses. That's an important note to make. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He is the older brother of Moses. And he was kind of a Moses' sidekick, you could say. He was Moses' sidekick. And he, he was one who supported Moses. For instance, if you go back and you read the account of the Israelites leaving Egypt, you'll find that God performed miracles through Aaron before Pharaoh. Big deal. This is a big deal. He's more than a sidekick in many ways. Not only that, he spoke for Moses. You might remember this. He spoke for Moses, which is a huge role. Because if you know anything about the Bible, you know that Moses spoke on behalf of God. Aaron was his mouthpiece. It says that Aaron was a prophet to Moses. So a significant figure. And I think there's something that I just want to pause on and talk about briefly to all of you. And I hope this is an encouragement. Whether you are front and center as a leader, or you have some kind of role of influence, or if you're helping from the side, you have an important role in the kingdom of God. I mean, do you, do you trust in Christ? Do you follow Jesus? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Listen, there is no second string necessarily. There are no backups It's not just the people who are front and center like Moses. No, Aaron was significant. And listen, there's significance for you in your context, in this church, in your family, in your place of work. There's significance for you. The title of ordinary radical is not reserved just for those who are the select few, the stars of the show like Moses. No, it's not a special Christian, remember? It's not, it's not anything that, that you have to manufacture. It's one whose roots are in Christ. So we got the background. We know a little bit about Aaron. You can read more about him. Let's go back to the text here, Exodus 32 again. And uh, let's pick up again what we heard already read, verses 2 through 6. This is an important element for us to look at. As we consider Aaron and we think about ordinary radicals and we think about this anti-hero idea. Check it out. Aaron answered them. Answered them, meaning the Israelites, who have said, make us gods. And he said, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. And so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him, and he made it into an idol cast of the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said... These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Here you go. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there'll be a festival to the Lord. And so the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. And and I just want to mark this. When it says they, they got up to indulge in revelry, 
If I would read you the list of things that are inherent with this idea of indulging with revelry, we'd all be blushing. This was not some sort of nice, sweet church service. Yeah, they had a meal, but it went over the top, way over the top. And what they indulged in here was shameful. And, and, and Aaron is a significant part of this. And this is where we're introduced, I think, to the dark side of Aaron. This is where we're introduced to this anti-hero and this complex figure that we're trying to wrap our arms around and see what we can learn from. Aaron, first of all, is a person that I would put before you and say, exemplifies a person who's insecure. He struggled with insecurity. We actually see this in other parts of the scriptures. Remember I said that he was Moses's big brother? Well, I think that's part of the struggle. If you go to Numbers 12, 2, for instance, you can write that down and check it out. In, in Numbers 12, 2, Aaron is there, and he talks against Moses. He speaks against him. And here's what he says. Here's the quote accredited to Aaron. He says, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? He's kind of indignant. He's kind of throwing shade on Moses. And he's saying, come on, is he the only one that's special? What's so special about my little brother Moses? There was insecurity that was in Moses. Can't you see it? I mean, here he is. He's the big brother, and his baby brother has great popularity and this great role of leadership. And so why the golden calf? Well, I think it has something to do with being, him being tired of being in his baby brother's shadow. Can't you see it? We have this insecurity that's in you. I think maybe he was desperate to be liked. I mean, why else would he say, yeah, it's a great idea. We should make some gods. Has he not learned anything going through the Red Sea? Has he not learned anything from, from being around Moses and, and all these experiences coming out of the exodus of Egypt, the miracles that he saw? I think that, that he was a people pleaser. And his form of leadership seems to be influenced and, and guided by, by giving the people what they want. He was called by God... But here he is pleasing, bent on pleasing the people. And so what does he do? Aaron moves on with his own plans. Rather than waiting patiently for God's plans and his instructions to unfold. He finds himself suddenly in a comfortable position of authority and power. And he uses that, he uses that gift to lead people astray. He's quick to turn his back on the one true God. He's quick to turn away. He's impatient. He's reckless. And he leads the people of Israel into sin. And, and, and this golden calf, by the way, was probably some conglomeration of the Egyptian gods and the Canaanite gods that they had seen. And it was like their representation. It was like them saying, hey, we've seen other people have these things. Why don't we have it? And he gave the people what they wanted. And here's maybe the worst part of it all. When you look at this, this mark, this dark side, this dark moment in the life of Aaron, one of the worst things is he doesn't own it. Look at, look at verses 21 through 24, skipping down. After Moses confronts him, Moses comes before him and says, hey, hey, I've heard about this. And it says, Moses said to Aaron, what did these people do to you? that you led them into such great sin. I mean, just gets in his face and says, what's going on here? You've led the people into sin. Why did you do this? And here's his answer. He says, don't be angry at me, my Lord. You know how prone 
these people, these people, these people are the evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. And then they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and poof, out came this golden calf. This sounds like my kids, by the way. This is what my kids do. You know, the, the dishes that, that don't get the food scraped off them and they're just sitting in the kitchen sink. That's not their fault. That's my fault. Or, or just yesterday, one of them, I woke them up because we had to go somewhere to a family gathering. And when I woke up, they were grumpy and they took it out on the little sister. And whose fault was that? Mine, because I woke her up. It's the same thing we see here. Aaron's acting like a child here. And he is doing what? I think this phenomenon is called blame shifting. Ever heard of it? And we see it here right in the scriptures. He doesn't even own it. He shifts the blame. He blames the people. And then he blames an inanimate object, fire. He says, oh, it's the fire's fault. This fire spit out this golden cap. No, we know that he fashioned it because that's what the scriptures tell us. He's blame shifting. And, and let's make this personal. I mean, come on. To what degree is your behavior influenced by people pleasing? In the workplace? I mean, that's a struggle, right? I've, I've talked to many of you. Being a Christian in the workplace, you talk about how difficult it is. To what degree is your behavior being influenced by people pleasing? Going with the crowd. If you're a student in school, to what degree are you giving in to peer pressure in that sense? I mean, I think it's not just kids, right? You struggle with this. We as adults in our families and our workplaces, we struggle with this idea and we end up people pleasing. Let me ask you another question. To what degree are you blame shifting in your life? I know there's some real struggles, but, but oftentimes we find ourselves saying, well, you know what, it's my parents' fault. And, and you're carrying that around and you're blaming your own personal struggles and the things that, that are holding you back on your parents or maybe you're blaming it on your spouse. If my spouse was just more willing to, to come to church or if my spouse was more serious about faith, you blame shift it. And I'm not saying those problems and those issues aren't real, but at what point do you say, you know what, I'm going to own my peace. At what point are we going to stop being like Aaron and blaming it on the fire or some other inanimate object and be, be mature and say, you know what? I got to own my peace. And so here's what I would say. You know, when it comes to this, this battle of sin, first of all, ordinary radicals, people who are rooted in Jesus, aren't just suddenly free from this battle with sin that we see reflected in Aaron's life from blame shifting from being a person who, who's a people pleaser. You're not necessarily just immune from that. We, we bring, we don't, we don't leave our flawed humanity with us. We bring it with us. And this is, I guess, where the idea of the anti-hero is pertinent. But we don't stop there. We choose to obey the Lord rather than go with the crowd. We choose the way of humility when it comes to self-assessment. That's what we have to do. So listen, if you're finding yourself, even as I speak about it, and you're being reminded of your own flaws and your own dark side and your own personal failures, well, you're not alone. But here's the great, great news. 
Like there's a way. And it begins with humility. And it begins by being a person who says, you know what? Through the strength of Christ. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I can, I can stand apart from, from the world around me. There's a lesson here from us, Marin, and we got to pay attention to it. There's more. Let's, let's go back to the text. Let's read verses 7 through 10 right now, which sets us up to, to understand a contrast. You know, whenever you're talking about Aaron, you also have to talk about Moses. They, they kind of go together. You know, it's like Batman and Robin. So let's look at this. Um, 32, 7 through 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, so after, you know, this calf's been erected, the revelry is happening, the altar's been built, the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people. This is sobering. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone, so that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them. And then I will make you into a great nation. So listen, this this is sobering. And, and it's really easy to think how ridiculous, Jeremiah and I were talking, how ridiculous the Israelites are, right? It's really easy to point a finger and almost laugh. It seems so silly, a golden calf, really? You just came out of the parting of the Red Sea and saw these miraculous things. How could you do this? But I think if we're honest again with ourselves, we know that we got a little more anti-hero in us than the hero. And we also have our own personal struggles and we can find ourselves in this. So I think in the contrast of, of Moses and Aaron, there's something for us. So yeah, we are talking about Aaron, but again, I think there's some things in Moses when we see the contrast because they, they respond differently. I could talk about a lot of things from this text, but I just want to give you three lessons for ordinary radicals really quickly here that I see in this text. So let's start with the first one. If you look at verses 11, 14, which immediately follows what we just read about what God said to Moses regarding the Israelites, the scripture says, Moses sought the favor of the Lord. So here's God saying, I'm angry. I'm burning against the the people. I'm ready to wipe them out. And what does Moses do? Moses responds with prayer, prayer. We're going to have a prayer workshop here. Prayer is important. We want to be a people of prayer. Moses was a man of prayer. Moses sought the favor of the Lord and said, this is his prayer, Lord, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, it's with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? No, he says, turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham and Isaac and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. And the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. You know, we see again the contrast of Aaron and Moses. Aaron leads the people to sin, but Moses When he heard about this, he immediately went to prayer. There's a lesson there for us. He immediately went to prayer when he learned about their sin. And his plea before God wasn't about how great the people and they're not so bad after all. No, no. His plea was based solely on the glory of God. 
the glory of God. And let me tell you this. Life, living life, is all about glorifying God. That's what life's all about. Life is all about glorifying God and concentrating and focusing on God and bringing about his glory. An ordinary radical seeks God's glory. That's this first lesson here. An ordinary radical seeks God's glory. And you might say, well, practically, how do I do that? What's that even look like to seek God's glory? I'll give you just a couple quick ways. One is by giving praise to God. That seems very obvious, but I want to state that. You know, you have a victory in your life. You remember that you don't wear the crown. We just had Brian up here who won a golf championship. Here's the great thing. It's about God's glory. God's given him a gift. God's given him a talent. God's given him faculties to be focused. And he's given him this victory. It's so cool. So we're proud of Brian, but more than anything, we say glory to God. It's God who wears the crown. You have a victory in your life, you give it to the Lord. The crown belongs to him. So you give praise to God. That's one way you glorify God. Another way is this. Confessing your sin. Yeah, confessing your sin. You know, we talked about the blame shifting. This is the opposite. An ordinary radical gives glory to God by confessing sins. It reminds me of, of, of 1 John 1, 9, which says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. And so by, cleanse, by confessing our sins, when we agree with God about our sinfulness, that it's our fault, when we own it and we don't blame shift and we repent, that act glorifies God. That's a real practical way that today you can glorify Christ, God. One more thing I'll tell you is this. Another way you can glorify God is by sharing Jesus. Look, more and more in this church, we are going to be talking about the importance. We want to equip every person to share their faith in Jesus. To tell others, because listen, the world desperately needs to know the eternal hope the eternal peace of Jesus. One of the great ways we can glorify God is by being a people who share Christ. God gets the glory when people are redeemed. Okay, let's keep on going because there's more lessons here for the ordinary radical. So the first one is this. An ordinary radical has a mindset where they want to glorify God. Let's look at the second one. I'll take you to verses 19 and 20 of Exodus 32. Check it out. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf... And the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands. You know about this moment. Breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. And then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water. This, is, this sounds so harsh. And made the Israelites drink it. Wow, what an incredible, like, vivid story. And, and I think the thing we see here is this. We've seen that ordinary radicals glorify God, but ordinary radicals also do not tolerate sin. Now, before you jump on everyone else, and you think about your Facebook feed, and you think about your kids, and, you know, your, your family, and the coworkers, I want you to think about yourself, Let's think about ourselves first when we think about not tolerating sin because it really begins there, I believe. You know, Aaron constructs the golden calf. He facilitated sin. But on the other hand, Moses, in our contrast, Moses burned with anger. He saw this and he was like white hot about it. He saw the temptation that was before the people and he took steps to eliminate every trace of it. 
Well, you might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just an anti-hero. I'm kind of a complex character. I'm complicated. I've got my dark side. Okay, well, you're complicated. We get it. I'm complicated too. But in Christ, we do not revel in our dark side. We do not revel in our bad decisions. Listen, ordinary radicals don't tolerate sin. No, we work to eradicate sin. We surrender to God's power to eradicate sin. I want to be clear about this. You and I alone, I don't want to set you up for failure. You and I alone cannot beat sin in our lives. But I'll tell you this, there is a power from God that will ground and grind the sin in your life to powder. Don't you want to see that happen? Don't you want to see the golden calves in your life ground to powder? Well, listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of Jesus, through the community and the fellowship of believers, there's a way that you and I could see sin eradicated. We won't tolerate it anymore. Ground to powder in our lives. What sin in your life needs to be ground to powder? I, I encourage you, submit that to God. We could talk a lot about that, but submit that to God and by his power see that change. Let's look at one more lesson. So we got the ordinary radical that glorifies God. An ordinary radical is someone who who, who doesn't tolerate sin, isn't okay with it, battles against it through the power of God. And then thirdly, and I think maybe even most importantly, we see it in verses 31 and 32. Ordinary radicals are sacrificial. Listen to this. So Moses, this is verse 31 of chapter 32. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. You know, again, we see the blame shifting of Aaron, the contrast, right? But Moses, now he wasn't perfect. But Moses knew that their sin had a cost. And he makes really what I think is a shocking request. Did you catch this? He says, tell you what. If this is what it takes, blot me out of your book. Blot me. Sacrificial. Aaron condemned the people as as a way of saving himself. Well, Moses is willing to be condemned to save the people. Ordinary radicals are, are sacrificial in nature. They put others before themselves. They put the wants, the needs, the desires of others before them. This is how we're called to live. And the example really is is fulfilled supremely through Jesus Christ because Jesus at the cross stands as a mediator, a high priest. And he knew that there was a sacrifice that was needed for the people to be saved. I want you to look at, this is New Testament. Look at, the, look at Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Check this out. This fits really perfectly with what we're talking about. This, this lesson that we can learn, that ordinary radicals are sacrificial. Listen. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Just as Moses was faithful, in, uh, is, was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. 
just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. You know, the actions of Moses, the sacrificial actions say, listen, put it on me. Blot me out of your book, God. Forgive them. Put it all on my shoulders. That points to Jesus. Jesus is the original ordinary radical. He's the ultimate ordinary radical. And Jesus has set a way for the ordinary radical, and it's the way of sacrifice. So let's go back and talk about Aaron again. What do we do with this anti-hero? What do we do with this character? Because, I mean, it seems pretty unresolved, doesn't it? We see him, and we see him in the golden calf moment. It's, it's almost embarrassing. A guy who experienced what he experienced, who had the calling and the gifts that he has. But I want to tell you this. I believe... That, that Aaron and his story remind us that with humility, we can recover, we can be restored from even the biggest mistakes, the greatest sins in our faith walk. I'm talking to you. You got some anti-hero in you? Let's talk about Aaron. Aaron ultimately, if you keep reading, becomes the first Levitical priest in the tabernacle. The tabernacle wasn't erected yet, but it was soon to be. And Aaron was really the first, you know, high priest. And as a part of his duties there, he offered blood sacrifices of real animals for the atonement of sin. Week after week, there he was serving the temple, slaying animals, seeing their blood poured out. And I wonder... That as he served in the tabernacle in that way, I wonder if he thought of his own sin. I mean, wouldn't you? If you were there serving and, and, and seeing this very visceral play unfold before you, wouldn't you think of your own sin? And I wonder that as he served as high priest and he oversaw the, the slaughtering of animals and the bloodshed for atonement, I wonder if he repented over and over again of that sin, of making a false image of God. And, and here's what I got to believe. I got to believe that in a deep way, Aaron came to understand through that whole experience his own need for atonement. You know, I think there's something here again for us. We're all Aaron. You may not like to hear that, but we are all Aaron. We all have, I think, more anti-hero in us than, than actual hero. And like Aaron, we are called by God, but also capable of turning our back on him. We are gifted by God, but capable of using those gifts for our own glory rather than God's. We are all sinners, like Aaron, all sinners in need of atoning sacrifice. And there's great news. The great news is this. Jesus, as we just read, is our high priest. He has offered a sacrifice before God. In fact, he is the sacrifice before God that we might be saved. Jesus is the turning point for the anti-hero. Jesus is the, the root of the ordinary radical movement. And so here's what I want to say to you. Look, as we consider Aaron, 
I got to point you to something because for all the anti-heroes, for all the people who are seeking to be ordinary radicals, for all those who are in need of atoning sacrifice, there's this great epilogue to, to Aaron's life. And it's maybe even more so than the golden calf incident. It's maybe his greatest legacy. It's the blessing of Aaron. Aaron's blessing, the ironic blessing, and it's in number six. I want to read this to you. It's accredited to him, and it's something that's lasting. You know, Aaron didn't just offer sacrifices in the tabernacle as a priest. He also blessed the people. Check this out. Number six, 22 to 26, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and to be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Look, his lasting legacy, I believe, is this. As a man who understood atonement, there's this powerful invocation of God's activity for our lives, this prayer of blessing. And it's something that points to the redemption of God in the life of Aaron, who has not just a legacy of being a person on the dark side, but one who's used by God in a lasting way in Israel and for all who would believe. There's a song that's been born out of this priestly blessing, out of this blessing of Aaron. You might be familiar with it. It's called The Blessing. And we're going to sing it in a moment. And here's what I would encourage you to do as you sing this song today. As we think about Aaron, as we think about the idea of the anti-hero that lives in you and me, as we think about brokenness, as we think about the struggle sometimes and what it means to be an ordinary radical, as you sing this song, and Brad and the team are going to lead us, I would encourage you to sing it over one another. This is the kind of song that you sing over one another. You might even turn and look at some people. It'll feel a little weird. But to sing it over the people in this room. You might, as you sing this song, this blessing of Aaron, you might close your eyes and perhaps think about your family, your broken family, and sing this song over them. Knowing that it's God who loves to redeem the anti-hero. You might sing it over someone who's wronged you and hurt you. Like Moses singing it over Aaron. And say, may the Lord bless you. God's grace is so great. And so listen, would you rise to your feet? This is for the anti-heroes. This is for the ones seeking to be ordinary radicals. This is for those who need the atonement, the grace and salvation of God through Jesus Christ. Let's sing this over one another. Sing it over our families. Sing it over those who have wronged us even and bring glory to God.